Everybody, welcome back to the choir room. We are at the end of season two. This is the last episode that we have of season two to recap. We're not done just yet. We still, of course, will have our season two wrap up coming up after this podcast, but we have so much to get into today from the episode and from some other stuff going on in the Glee universe. So uh, I will not do this by myself. I will never do this by myself. I will always do this with my number one duet partner, Amon Adwin. Yo, 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 we made it to the end of another season, two seasons down, six or six to go, four to go, three and a half to go, considering that season six is half the length of the others. So, Six to go if you count the two Glee Project seasons that we may or may not talk about at some point. <laughs> Those as well, so I guess, sure, yes, six to go. So you were right the whole time. Yes, it is time for Nationals. We have finally arrived here. It is episode number 22. This time last year, we were, you know, working our way around regionals. Uh, nope, this this New Directions team of 2011 has bigger dreams and bigger aspirations, and they made it all the way to Nationals. But before we get to Nationals, <laughs> we do have some Glee news that we really need to kind of bring back in here because it is just, you know, a random night in the uh, the month of June 2020. The world is a pretty crazy time right now uh, for a multitude of reasons. And, you know, you don't expect Glee news to kind of pop up, but when it does, you got to talk about it, especially here in the choir room. Aman, we have had a crazy 24 hours on social media, or at least the past 12 hours. Yeah, so it was... um. It may have been very shocking to a few people and not so shocking to others. Uh, we've heard rumors of Leah Michelle not necessarily being the nicest person on set. Uh, and it seems like that is sort of like come to a head once again. Uh, what's peculiar is that Leah Michelle put out a tweet uh, around four days ago at this point, May 29th. Um, she said in her tweet, George Floyd, who is the man who was just brutally killed by the police, did not deserve this. This was not an isolated incident, and it must end. Hashtag Black Lives Must Matter. You know, a seemingly well-meaning tweet uh, showing some support towards all of the uh, fuckery that's going on right now in the United States. However, that tweet was not met with such kindness because one of her former co-stars, Samantha Ware, who some of you might not be aware of who she is yet because we are not in season six, but she does get a guest spot on the sixth season of Glee, she quoted Leah Michelle's tweet saying, LMAO, remember when you made my first television gig a living hell? Because I'll never forget. I believe you told everyone that you, if you had the opportunity, you would shit in my wig, amongst other traumatic microaggressions. That made me question a career in Hollywood. And so it didn't stop there. That was already like some major tea right there. But then Alex Newell, who we'll be talking about shortly on The Glee Project, who ends up uh, becoming a part of Glee from season three and beyond, he actually went and, you know, responded under the tweet, you know, saying, like, pretty much, you know, agreeing with what she's saying. 
I'm saying that, yeah, I felt I felt all of that. I felt everything. And Yvette Nicole Brown, who at first I was like, why the hell is she in on this? But then I remember that Leah Michelle was also a part of a television show called The Politician on ABC. It got canceled after just one season. I don't think they finished even one season before it got canceled. She also uh, tweeted under Sammy's tweet saying, I felt every one of those capital letters, which Alex Newell then said, yes, I felt all that stuff too. And it still didn't stop there because Miss Amber Riley, who plays Mercedes, went ahead and posted some gifts of herself uh, sipping tea on her own Twitter account, seemingly acknowledging uh, that what Sammy was saying was true. Um, And we even got a tweet from one of the extras that was a part of one episode of Glee who alleged that Leah Michelle told her that he was not allowed to sit with the main cast because he did not belong there. We even got uh, some people outside the Glee community Um, Like Willem from Drag Race, who did appear on one episode of Glee, saying that Leah Michelle also treated him poorly. Um, So it's just like she's just getting attacked from all angles. And it reminds everyone of the shit that went down back in 2014 towards the end of the series when Naya Rivera became pretty vocal about the fact that Leah Michelle was just a nightmare on set. And Naya didn't even come to film the last episode of Glee because she did not want to be around Leah Michelle. Um, or maybe Leah Michelle got her banned from the set. Either or, it seems like there's just like a lot of controversy right now around Leah Michelle, and a lot of people are, you know, not only accusing her of being like a really, really nasty person on set, but also possibly being a little bit racist as well because of the fact that Sammy chose that specific tweet to criticize Leah. Because like, well, if you're gonna go out here saying all lives or Black Lives Matter or whatever, why were you making me? Su- why are you making my time on the set such a horrible um, experience? So. Yeah, how do you feel about all this, Matt? Yeah, there's a lot to uh, to process here. It's like it, like you said, we knew a lot of this in advance about how she was, you know, a nightmare to work with and she's uh she's just so, you know, everything is all about her on the sets. Everything has to be her way and she's the star of the show and that's just the vibe you get from most people and it's interesting because some people still do seem to have a relationship with her uh, Jonathan Groff is one that came into the show with a relationship with her so obviously the two of them have remained friends over the year it seems like her and Darren Chris have remained friends over the year they went on tour together um, we were t- talking last night Charles uh, former guest of the podcast was telling us about how he knows that they uh, sang at each other's weddings which I don't think I knew about so obviously there's a relationship there and then also also, recently with the Showman's podcast that Kevin McHale and Jenna Ushkowitz do, they had Leah on for their first ever recap of Glee season one, episode one, and they seemed to have a very good rapport with her. Things seemed to be okay there. Obviously, that could have just been a business, you know, related thing. They were like, let's see if Leah will come on. She's the star of the show. And, you know, they got together with that. But it still seems like the majority of the cast over the past few years, like, there's not a whole lot of love between them. Obviously, we, uh, another noticeable thing was during this quarantine, there was a Glee mini reunion done on uh, a YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, Leah wasn't there. We talked about this on this podcast as well. So there has been plenty of signs about this along the way. And now this is a time that we're currently in, especially right now, that people are being held accountable for things. And that's the point of all of this, to hold people accountable for the way that they are treating other people. And then, you know, everything beyond that in terms of like, you know, everything going on with the protests and the Black Lives Matter movement, which is, you know, picking up so much momentum right now and doing some really good things. 
And the fact that obviously what Leah Michelle was doing is on a different level, you know, how she was treating a person around a Hollywood set is much different from the cops that are killing people. But it's still on the same page here. If we're talking about supporting black people as, as a whole movement, then you can't just say, well, I support this and I support all of the black people out there that are that are in my life if she has previously made a black actress on set, which there are not many on this show, feel the way that this that Sammy ended up feeling and the way that she is speaking out against it now. And it's not just Sammy. It's also Alex Newell that is speaking out. And he replied to a tweet last night saying, you know, why would we lie about this? Because I think somebody was like, oh, no, you're only saying it now. He's like, why would we lie about this? It's been six years. Like, you know, they're actors. They try to keep things professional mm-hmm. and not put each other on blast throughout, you know, throughout time. That's not that's not a good move for your career, especially, you know, things are calm. They're not in each other's lives. It's easy to just just kind of take a step away and you know whatever um but things came out and now they're all talking about it they're like yep no she's terrible and uh you know obviously we also know that she has not made any comments since then i'd be very curious to see what if anything she does end up having to say on it but yeah it has been a lot to uh to take in yeah it is a lot and it's um it's it's very unfortunate because i remember you know when back in 2012 at the peak of my glee fandom when I went off to college for freshman year, I was a big, big, big Rachel Berry fan and by proxy a huge uh, Leah Michelle fan. I practically worshipped the ground that she walked on because I just thought that she was so talented and so inspiring and really made me want to continue performing musical theater throughout um, college. And when I started to meet other people in the musical theater program at, at my university, um, some of them had actually met Leah Michelle at the time and they were, were like, Amon, no, she's horrible. She's, she can't be bothered to speak to fans. She can't be bothered to do this. She's just like nasty to people. Like she's just not a very nice person. And I always was just like, no, no, like I'm sure she just, ha- you caught her on a bad day. You know, it, it, uh, she's a celebrity. So of course she's going to come off as snobby to, to, you know, pedestrians. Like I feel like she probably is like any other celebrity. And you just got her on a bad day. But then more and more stuff just comes out about her. And you have an, like pretty much an entire chapter of Naya Rivera's book dedicated to explaining the, uh, the toxic nature on set um, in regards to Leah. And it's just like, damn, like, mm. and we spoke about this a little bit last night in our little Glee group chat. And I kind of just feel like, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire. And this is just yet again, a bunch of people, you know, a bunch of her former co-stars calling her out. Even Kevin McHale might have called her out too. There was a thread of a a problematic behavior uh, listed for, from Glee cast members and one of them included the claim that Leah Michelle was racist. The other one included the claim that uh, Cord Overstreet was a Trump supporter. And Kevin McHale posted under that thread, no, that's actually false. And the person that posted it was like, well, what do you mean? What's false? And he said, Cord. And he said nothing else. So you have all <laughs> of these people that were with her that are – no one's coming to, her de- coming to her defense right now. So it's just like it, ha- it has to make you wonder, like – like what kind of shit was this woman pulling on this set? And why is it that she really doesn't get booked for any more TV shows pre-COVID, pre-pregnancy? You know what I mean? So, yeah. And you want to talk about, you know, um, especially like the, the specific thing that Sammy called out in her tweet was the fact that she, uh, Rachel, back then had been, you know, using microaggress- microaggressions, throwing them around to, you know, whether it was through her actions or through her words. Um, and it's like you notice the friends that she's kept over the years are 
Darren Chris, Jonathan Groff, Kevin McHale to an extent. It's like obviously there's a whole other Naya Rivera, Merce, uh, you know, Amber Riley are the ones that are speaking out that they were not friends. So it's like, you know, that raises a couple flags as to why, you know, why these people over these people? Why did you not get along with these people on the set over these people? Was it strictly because they were more talented or they were equally as talented? You know, it, it, there's a lot to unpack there. And uh, what, uh, oh, and uh, I was going to say also there was a tweet that I saw about about how, uh, you know, just some of the cast members that do or don't follow each other, uh, a lot of them don't follow Leah Michelle. So besides the fact that, you know, some have only been just now speaking out about her, uh, or, you know, even in recent years, you can just look through some of the cast members following on uh, Instagram or other social medias, and there's a good amount of them that do not follow her. And if you look at Leah's following on Instagram, she doesn't follow most of them either. She doesn't even follow Kevin or Jenna. She follows... Everybody who I just mentioned, she follows Chris Colfer. Um, she follows, obviously, like Ryan Murphy, the people who continue giving her paychecks. But it doesn't seem like she follows or has any interest in keeping friendships going with the cast. So I don't know. It's strange. You would, uh, you would, you would expect that in the times that Leah went through with Corey, with you know everything that happened there, that I'm sure she received so much love and so much support at the time. The show still went on after Corey passed, and you know she was surrounded by all these people that I'm sure, like, and they were dating. That's the thing. That's why it was such a big deal. Uh, and I'm sure we're going to talk mm -hmm. a lot more about that when we get to season five. But she just had so much love and support from everybody around her. So to see that things ended up going in this kind of direction, or maybe they were like this along the way the whole time, it's just very surprising. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. And it's, uh, it just, <laughs> it just, you know, it's a sobering experience because when you grow to love a TV show so much, a lot of the time you sort of forget that these actors are simply that they're actors and they have lives and they can either go out there and be, decent human beings or they might have, you know, unsavory behavior. So it's a very, it's just a reminder that you can't always <laughs> put these celebrities up on a totem pole because a lot of the times they're just going to end up disappointing you because they are fallible just like anybody else. I tweeted on, on our uh, Twitter account that Leah Michelle would not be receiving any gold stars. And I want to, I want to make the clear distinction between Leah Michelle and Rachel Berry. I'm, that's not saying that I won't be able to objectively examine Rachel Berry's character arc for the duration of the series, but when it comes to any extracurricular news about the Glee cast, you know, I feel like Leah Michelle is somebody that I'm probably going to want to avoid for the time being, especially considering that she hasn't really spoken out. She hasn't said anything to defend herself, and that's a little bit suspect to me as well. I mean, granted, it just happened a mere, what is it, like 13, 14 hours ago now, but still, you know, you know, I figured if somebody was out here calling me racist, I would want to say something, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Little, and, uh, you know, it, it does kind of bleed into this episode a little bit with the Rachel and Sunshine conversation that, like, as I was watching that, I was like, are they really writing for Leah Michelle this much? Like... I don't know. Right. Uh, right. Th between that and then also the clip that I posted on our uh, on the Quiet Room Pod Twitter today that got some attention uh, has been getting you know a lot of attention all afternoon is the clip that we had just talked about in the Night of Neglect episode mm -hmm. between uh, Mercedes and Rachel where they're talking about how Mercedes is like I don't understand why you get all the solos and all the attention like people actually like me and Rachel's like well. I don't care if people like me. I would stop at absolutely nothing to get what I want. And it's like, wow, this is just, again, too real for, uh, <laughs> to, for, for whatever. It's just crazy how much real life blends in with the writing on the show.
Yeah, I stopped myself from talking deeply about all of this when we were talking about that scene because I kind of wanted to wait until a later season when it, you know, really comes to a head. But <laughs> it's come to a head now again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it really appears as if Ryan Murphy is the only one that knows how to work with Leah Michelle for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe he maybe he like panders to her. Maybe he like worships the ground that she walks on and really feeds her ego, which would explain why the only two television shows that she has the longest stint on are both Ryan Murphy shows. So I don't know. I don't know. It's not a good look at all. I mean, at the very least, barring any of the racist uh, accusations, the fact that you have multiple cast members, both leading and otherwise, coming for you, and one that is that we all thought that she was one of your friends, you know. Like I was shocked when Amber, you know, went ahead and said that. I mean, not really because it's not like this is the first time, but I always figured that Amber and Leah were close, or at least closer than the rest. And we can now say that that's not the case. Uh, so, yeah. Yep. So shady. that's that's the update. Uh, I'm sure if any more comes up over the next few days or however, you know, we're we're always here. We're always talking about any updates that we get, like I said, from the Glee universe. So if anything comes up, you know, we'll we'll be back here the next uh, podcast and all of the ones after that to keep updating anything as, you know, any more information comes out. If more people start to speak out about things or if she makes any kind of comment, we'll keep you guys updated. But All right. We are here at Nationals. We are in New York. You guys, like I said, everybody has evaded my hometown. You guys are all, well, I don't live in New York. I'm not from, or I don't live in New York City. I'm not from the city. Spent much time there, of course, growing up because it's right around the corner, essentially. So fun to see the Glee kids in my neck of the woods. And obviously they're going to spend a lot more time here as well as as we get to the later seasons. Aren't you technically from NYC though? Isn't don't you live in one of the boroughs of NYC? Not at all. I'm from Long Island, and uh, we have no affiliation with NYC. Oh, so it's Staten Island. That's the borough of NYC. Yes, that's a different island. Staten Island and Long Island, not the same. Gotcha. Almost. All right, proceed. Rachel Berry is in her striped jacket. I feel like this is a pretty iconic look. It's just the first time Rachel makes it to New York. This is what you think of when you when you picture that Rachel has arrived in Times Square. She's looking around and reflecting on, I made it. She's excited to be there. The New Directions, we see them sitting on the red steps in the middle of Times Square, reflecting again on how they have all actually made it. And they're all, you know, excited to be there. They're all, like, all I, for some reason, my head, when they when I see these things, think about, like, I think about, the production and how all of this was filmed and how they shut down Times Square. I mean, not the first time this has happened for a television or a movie film, uh, but, you know, fun to think about, like, anybody that was on the outs of this and, you know, wherever they blocked off Times Square. Imagine, like, people were watching this be filmed, uh, knowing what was going on. So I wonder how that day went. Kurt is going to lead them into a rendition of New York, New York. It is uh, this no lip sync here. This is done, you know, just the actors on set. And after, as they are all singing that, Rachel comes up to inform them that she's actually got them all tickets to Cats on Broadway. And Quinn's going to say, uh, that, yeah, but Cats closed 11 years ago. So you should probably <laughs> go check where you got those from. So this is where we open our episode. This is like a critique that has been raised many, many times. And it's that why... Would the Broadway aficionado and Rachel Berry not have realized that Cats have been closed for over a decade? It makes no sense. Thankfully, she didn't spend any money because she's going to go say that the guy that sold them to her did seem crazy because he swiped her credit card through his butt crack. So, 
unless there's a magnetic stripe reader in his ass i don't think that she was charged anything but <laughs> i just don't know why you would be like so excited about a show that hasn't been on broadway in over a decade that's insane to me even i knew that yeah. and i at the point at the point in time that i was reading well no i was a big broadway fan at that point in time too i'm a bigger broadway fan than i was then and i still knew that like mm-hmm. i was a fledgling broadway fan when i was watching this for the first time and i knew that that shit had been closed for a long time well, embarrassing moment for Rachel Berry here to kick things <laughs> off. Uh, as they get to the hotel, they you know they're they're here in New York. Will is checking the kids in. Uh, turns out they can only afford two hotel rooms. That's kind of sucky, but he's splitting them up, boys and girls. Uh, the the concierge at the front desk is saying, "Well, you should probably split them up by sexual orientation." That's how all the other schools do it. It's like, okay, um, that's 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 a choice. All the kids are just walking around, enjoying the idea that they are in New York. They just can't believe it. Uh, Mercedes makes some kind of comment about how New York City was built on top of old york city okay uh rachel is talking to finn about how well quinn is taking the breakup she's like well maybe she's just just distracted by the magic of new york let's not forget in the last episode we were left on some kind of cliffhanger about quinn you know she's excited to get to new york because she's got some kind of plan so rachel is acknowledging the fact that quinn is not even thinking about the breakup not focused on it at all uh but finn who you know, broke up with Quinn to be with Rachel is asking how things are with Jesse, because as far as we know, Rachel is still somewhat with him. They were, well, they shared a kiss in the last episode. Not that they officially got back together, but it seemed like there was still kind of a spark there. So yeah, Finn obviously still very focused on getting Rachel to be his. Yeah. And not the time nor the place, Finn, not at all. I mean, it's, I I agree with Rachel entirely 100%. It is time for y'all to bunker down, write these fucking songs, and perform for these for for these judges. All right, you do not need to be worried about romance. You had your shot. She's been begging for you all school year, and then you choose nationals to try and get her back. Like, and you talking about <laughs> oh, you remember like at the in, I forget I forget at the at the end of one of those episodes they were talking about oh yeah I just don't know if we should go public with our relationship yet because Rachel's too sensitive. I don't I don't want it to ruin our chances at regionals. But you didn't take into account that maybe breaking up with Quinn a week before Nationals would also, like, screw up her confidence and her emotions. I don't know. It's just Finn is just messy. Finn is just a messy queen. He really is. Lots of poor decisions all throughout this episode. And, uh, yeah, breaking up with Quinn, it was last episode. But doing that right before this competition definitely falls into that category. I mean, hey, it's your personal life. Do what you got to do. But uh, we are all, a lot of people here focused on doing the best at nationals and keeping all the people that need to be, you know, kept in a good headspace in that headspace. But, yeah, so Finn's going to break that off with Quinn a little close to uh, when this happens, whatever. We obviously, like you mentioned, still have a lot of songs to write and a lot of work to do. Throughout this entire episode, you would really think, really, really, really would think that these guys would have written their songs by now, would be ready to go. They have not a single place in the world to do their rehearsals for these numbers that are still not written. They should have been rehearsing back at the school for the past three, two, three months, uh, but they're still not even having written these songs. How insane is that? Puck is, uh, Puck goes missing. He's uh, actually found at the bar with Lauren Zeises. So everybody take in your last uh, couple of Lauren Zeises moments because these are the last 42 minutes that we have with her for uh, her actual time on Glee and uh, very sad about that. Will is, uh, has a meeting with everybody he looks like a little a little newsies boy with his hat that he has uh, going on at the beginning of this episode and he tells them that the they are all on lockdown while they finish writing their music he's actually going to head out he has to go to the theater to finish filling out paperwork 
I'm doing air quotes right now that you can't see. Uh, and turns out there's also uh, a note here. There's no other chaperone that's accompanied them to New York. So it's just Will. Uh, Will is off to the theater and nobody's going to stay behind with the kids in this random hotel room. Yeah, yeah, it definitely doesn't seem like anything could go wrong. Yeah, that's kind of strange. I mean, isn't there some sort of policy about like one teacher per certain amount of students? Maybe it's just one per 12, I guess. <laughs> like Emma um, had to accompany them to the invitationals let alone the uh, nationals in a whole other state this is crazy yeah the new york city of all places where you could easily lose somebody uh but i mean will is gonna do what will has to do he's gonna make his way on over to the theater where crossroads is being held and let me tell you something whoever was on the marketing team for uh the crossroads musical i loved the the logo it was like a caution street sign but instead of caution in there it had a martini glass i was like this is so april i want to see this fucking show leave the kids will leave them (laughs) (laughs) well he is leaving the kids but back at the uh back at the hotel room it's time to start writing some music and we're going to cut back to see britney s pierce kicking things off with her first original song selection and uh let's see if we have a nationals hit we're going to go into the infamous my cup in the middle of the night, in my bed alone, don't care if you glass or paper or styrofoam. I forget the rest. <laughs> my cup, when my I need cup, some water, say baby. what's up to Coffee my cup. Coffee or gin. Say what's up to my cup. Ah, say what's up to my cup. <laughs> Between Trouty Mouth and My Cup, Glee Season 2, done deal. Like, iconic, great legendary songs selection uh like if they're gonna keep doing original music just to keep cranking out the hits like trouty mouth and my cup i can't stop them i mean this is peak lyricism right now okay i mean britney s pierce underrated songstress underrated completely underrated and uh unreal that she is uh not 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 given more opportunities to write music. She's the heart and soul of this club. Quinn is uh, Quinn's had enough of the cups and the mattresses. She says it's time to go out and get some inspiration uh, from New York City. And Rachel immediately tries to stop her. She says, "No, Mr. Shoe said we're on lockdown. We can't leave." And Finn agrees with Quinn. He's like, "No, uh, no, sorry." Finn agree- agrees with Rachel. Uh, he says, "If we don't write songs, we're gonna lose, and we <laughs> need to write these songs because Nationals is like." Look, 24 hours away and we still don't have these written uh but quinn is insisting she says we don't need to write the songs the city will write them for us and we see all of the new directions end up heading out with quinn and they're going into a mashup of i love new york and new york new york as they run around the city super fast singing and dancing to uh these new york themed songs yes I just realized that they probably filmed this, like, because it's supposed to be springtime, and it was probably the springtime that they filmed this, probably, like, more, like, late February, early March, because it looks like it's a little chilly over there at this time during filming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably is. Shout out to Artie, wheeling around on that big water fountain. I, I love Quinn's jacket. I want that jacket so bad. I love, I love, orange is my favorite color, and I just have to say that that burnt orange jacket that she had on, I want it. I want it. I wonder how long it took them to to film this because I'm sure they had to block everything off and they were at they were in Times Square, they were at Lincoln Center, they were at uh Washington Square, Central Park, and they had to like set up and shut everything down. Like I'm sure this was like filmed over multiple days probably. Yeah, and the Glee Wiki tells me that this was uh, the number one most expensive episode of Glee to film, which uh, takes the cake after the previous one that had that title, uh, the Sue Sylvester Shuffle with the football 
a game and all that stuff that was uh five million dollar budget the six six million dollars oh well, not six million dollars to shut down times square six million dollars was the budget for this episode so it will cost less than six million to shut down times square yeah or at least one Probably, section of it yeah, they had to shut down all these places. As they are done with all the singing and dancing, uh, Finn is back at the hotel room with all the boys. They're all split. You know, the boys are in one room, the girls are in the other. Finn is talking about how he thinks that they should do a duet with him and Rachel, which, I mean, I think everybody was on the same page. That was probably going to happen. And uh, they all, you know, nobody's putting up any resistance. Mike's like, yeah, we just want to win. That's our best shot. And Finn wants to talk about the big Jewish elephant in the room, to which Puck and Sam immediately nobody's talking about. And they're encouraging him. They're like, dude, you got to ask her out. This is your shot. Uh, Sam says if he was in love with a girl and he was he was not homeless, he would totally go for it. So the guys are discussing this while the girls in the other room are having a giant pillow fight with feathers going everywhere and obviously racking up the hotel bill that Will is going to later have to pay with the budget that he doesn't have. Rachel's not really participating, though. She's probably sitting there focusing on the songwriting, but she ends up getting a text from Finn that is instructing her to come meet up with him. But uh, we're going to see Will Schuster as he has left the kids to go to this big Broadway auditorium and he is going to go into a song off of his own album a first for the show uh somebody performing oh uh, really I was wondering yeah. what the hell this song was Holy yes shit. I this never is... knew that it's so now Will Schuster performing a song off of Matthew Morrison's album that's weird uh and it is called still got tonight <laughs> oh wow I should have known that it was a Will Schuster original just by like with like this weird ass like foreign type of emotion that I got from him in this performance. Cause like it looked like he left Will Schuster behind. It really did. And the fact that it's his original song really explains all of that. I don't know if you got that same vibe or maybe you couldn't because you already knew that it was his song, but I did not see Will Schuster here. I saw a Matthew Morrison music video and now I finally understand why. That's exactly why. Yeah. And I, I don't believe it's a song that he wrote. Uh, if I got if I have that correctly, I think it's from his album. Um, I, I think he wrote some songs on his album or co-wrote them or whatever. But I don't think he wrote this one. But either way, they, you know, gave him an opportunity. It's original song themed again. And this is a original song in a sense. So some strange, weird meta going on on uh, this episode. But yeah, uh, Will does his whole performance and he's going to get caught by the guy that works at the theater who uh, comes by and actually delivers a little bit of a compliment, tells Will that he's seen a lot of people come by here and not everybody has it, but you've got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the usher would know best. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, he might. Let me not share on the usher. He might know best. I mean, if you're working there for 25 years and to see a bunch of people, I'm sure you do sort of like develop a taste for what's good and what's not on Broadway. Although I still feel like there are people that make it on Broadway that are completely trash. I went to go see Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella about maybe four years ago, six years ago, something like that, for my little sister's birthday. And the one that they, the, the guy that was playing the prince, like, I was like, I could be up there. Like, how the fuck did you get this part? Like, there were missed notes. There were missed lines. There was just like he was off key for some parts, bad breath control. And I hate to like shit on people, but it's just like when you pay that much money to go see a show and it's Broadway, it's supposed to be the flagship of American theater. Excellence in American theater, excellence in theater in general. And you get a performance like that. And I understand that people have bad or off days and off performances, but that was just like, come the fuck on. It made me so confident in the fact that I could probably on Broadway like in a heartbeat. 
Okay, I have a strange question for you. Um, what do you think is the percentage chance that the writers were considering letting Will Schuster actually go with this storyline of like leaving the New Directions and go do something at Broadway? Because I don't think it was a 0% chance that this was an option. I feel like, you know, not that he was going to go permanently. Obviously, he was a fixture on this show, but I could have easily seen them like ending season two with Will beginning his Broadway career that he finally wanted. And then, you know, season three starts and they have Holly Holiday coaching the Glee Club. And then he comes back in season three, episode five, because it didn't work out. And now he wants to return. Um, I mean, that's definitely an interesting storyline. I, I don't think I would be entirely opposed to that. Uh, do, in your in your supposed storyline, do they ask, they still lose nationals? Right, like is that like what pushes him over the edge? Like the kids lose nationals, and then he decides, you know what? I don't think this is my dream anymore, and then he goes off to Broadway. Yes, uh, he goes off to Broadway, and uh, you know, it's everybody's everybody's influence on him has become too much, and he listens to Emma, he listens to April, and him and April just get on get a hit show together for two weeks. I just don't know about Holly coming back. I it doesn't wonder, have to be Holly. It could be Jesse. I wonder it could be Rachel. if it's Sue that takes over and completely flips the Glee Club into some like militant operation, much like the Cheerios. Terry and they actually do win the sectionals or whatever. And then <laughs> Will comes back, and then it becomes like a fight between the loyalty of who's gonna who's gonna go back to Will Schuster and who's actually gonna be like, you know what, Sue is actually doing a really good job with us. Why should we go back to Will? And it's like a whole like the whole first half of season three is about Sue's group versus Will's group, much like that story arc in I season was- one. Well, that story arc in season three. Um, no, actually, I made that up. Um, they do split a little bit. I'm uh, spoiling. Uh-huh. Uh, they, uh-huh. There is a little bit of a split coming, but it's not with Sue. But yeah, I mean, you're kind of tying in what is potentially going to end up happening there. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that'd be fun. Again, let's get the right. Oh, my God. Can we just here. write? Yeah, I'm telling you, Matt, can we just start writing some speculation scripts for Glee and then just having live readings? Like, I think that would be so fun. I'm so yes, about it. The uh, more <laughs> we talk about it, I'm so about it. Absolutely, we can. But let's get back into this episode. Finn is uh, Finn is waiting for Rachel. He's in a nice suit on a beautiful little bridge in a park in New York City. And Rachel walks up in her blue little dress and, you know, looking all angelic. And Finn says that since they are captains of the Glee Club, he thinks that they should write a duet together. And I guess he's blaming that as the reason why he's brought her here today. Um, so the two of them are just kind of looking at each other. Obviously, you know, you can sense the... Not like, like like you can sense the the chemistry, I guess, that obviously they still have chemistry. Uh, There's not much that they're doing to act on it because they're not together at the moment. But there's still obviously a connection there. They end up going to dinner and they're having a dinner. Rachel's freaking out because she just can't believe that they're in New York City having dinner at this place that she's been dreaming about for years. And they actually end up seeing somebody off in the corner of the room who gets up to leave. She's done with her dinner. It it is Patty Lapone herself. Uh, And Rachel is going to stop her. She's like, "I, I can't just let her keep walking. I have to get up and stop her. Uh, she's like, at least if not for me, for Kurt. And she stops her and she says, uh, Patty Lapone, you're my idol. Like, I, I just, I love you so much. And Patty Lapone thanks her. She says, that's very sweet of you. She's like, are you an actress? And Rachel says, yes, I'm in high school. Finn says that they're there for the uh, National Show Choir Championship. And Patty Lapone is like, well, I was in show choir in high school. It was my favorite class. And she asks Rachel what her name is. Of course, Rachel tells her Rachel Berry and Patty Lapone says, well, Rachel Berry, promise me one thing. 
that you'll never give up. And Rachel, very, you know, she's very proudly, very just in shock that this conversation is happening, says, yes, Miss Lapone, I promise. And she's just in disbelief this happened. Yeah, I mean, what a amazing moment for Rachel. Like, I mean, for you to be, this is your dream. And for you to meet one of Broadway's premier veterans, like, that's just, I have, I have yet to meet any of my, like, all-time idols like i have never i think the most famous person that i've ever met is probably i don't even fucking know who's the most famous person i ever met oh you know i probably i met alex newell i did meet alex newell in new york city did i tell the story on the podcast already yes i did yeah okay well then yeah i don't have to rehash it um but i guess that's the most famous person that i ever met and it's relating to glee Uh, but i mean if for rachel berry for her to be such a broadway stan and to meet patty lapone in the middle of sardis like come on like how could you can't write that any better no and it's like you know you you can understand that moment whether it's somebody that's super super famous or like somebody that's a minor celebrity or 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 a reality star that you just kind of like know who they are you a couple weeks back uh seeing bryce and wendell in uh some where were you some restaurant or a coffee shop in philly um and you just you're like do i get up do i say something and then eventually you're like i have to it was it was in new york it was right after i saw him on broadway for uh once in this island and I was debating on whether or not I was going to say anything. And then he walked behind me. It's literally kind of like what uh, happened with Rachel. I literally was like, I stopped him and I said, Alex, I just have to let you know, I have been following you since the Glee Project. You are so tremendously talented. I appreciate all of your work. I, lo- I, I just have so much love for you. And like he took my hand and I took his hand. We like had a moment and it was he was so sweet and so kind. And he went back to his table and that was it. But it was like, That's a it great was story. Like, but I was yeah. talking about when you met Bryson Wendell. Oh, wait, I must have missed that. I'm sorry. There's like literally bombs going off in Philadelphia right now that I blacked out for a second. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like that time that you met Bryson Wendell in a coffee shop and that you like, was, say hi. That I don't know amazing. if I say hi. And that uh, that's what I was talking well. about. <laughs> that was amazing as well. Like I didn't have my glasses on. And the fact that I was able to recognize that it was them because of Bryce's voice, <laughs> just like priceless. It was amazing. Uh, amazing <laughs> and my blind ass was just sitting there as Nora walked past me and I was like that looked like Nora but I'm not really sure because I'm blind right now and it was her I was so mad at myself just as in disbelief as Rachel was here. Uh, Rachel is talking about how being in New York is like falling in love over and over again. The two of them have left the restaurant by now and they're off walking the streets of New York City and uh, all they need is like, you know, some performers to serenade them as they continue their walk here. What do you know? The New Directions boys are all out, perfectly timed, waiting for them to come out. And uh, they go into a performance here. It's Sam, Mike, Puck, and Artie and they go into a performance of Bella Note. Oh, this is the night, what a beautiful night, and they call it Bella Note. It's like kind of like the first Disney song, kind of, that appears in Glee. Cause it's Lady sort and the of Tramp, yeah. Lady and the Tramp, but I don't know if it's originally from Lady and the Tramp, is it? Is uh, it like I mean, a French standard that is put into Lady and the Tramp? I feel like the Glee Wikipedia page usually tells you if it's like a cover of a different song and it doesn't say that. So I don't know. But yes, it's a beautiful little uh, moment here. Uh, Finn and Rachel are feeling the romantic energy in the air. And uh, this is the part Finn says where I'm supposed to kiss you. And Rachel's like, I thought this was just a work date. And it's not. Finn goes in for the kiss, but he gets stopped. Rachel says she can't do it. 
and Finn is just leaned in still. He says, take a chance on me. And she looks like she's about to, almost. But she says, I'm sorry, Finn. I can't. And she walks off alone back to the hotel, seemingly, with uh, Finn and the boys behind. And why can't you, Rachel? Why not? You're already in New York. You already spent the entire day together. You met Patty Lapone with him. You went to dinner. Now you're walking through the streets as the boys are serenading you. Why not? Because why not? of Jesse. It's all Jesse Saint sucks and he is ruining everything. Fuck Jesse. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love the next, to, but. <laughs> the next day, uh, we're going to try to make Rachel feel better here. And Kurt wakes her up and uh, he says, we're going to breakfast at Tiffany's and we're going to have a great day. And Rachel says at the, while they are there. They're standing outside eating some treats and Rachel tells Kurt that he's the only one who understands New York City as much as she does. And, you know, we're continuing the Rachel Kurt friendship here and they have, you know, something new to bond over. They obviously both love show tunes and they love Broadway and they love all of this stuff from their comfy high school in Ohio. But they're here. They are in New York, the place that they have been talking about and dreaming about on their own for years. And they're bonding over it. She tells him a secret here. She says when she graduates, she knows that she's coming back here. That's the only only thing that's happening. She's coming back to New York. And Kurt is like, yeah, cool. Me too. I'll come with you. Like that's That's what I'm doing as well. And oh, Blaine. The he also mentions that he talked with Blaine about it, and Blaine's on board. So I think at this point they hadn't decided that Blaine was going to be young, one year younger, or did mm-hmm. they? And I missed that. Uh, no, he was still not technically written as a sophomore yet. Like he's when he maybe later on uh, are going to find out that he is a sophomore. But as of right now, I think they're still trying. I think the story that is written is still him as a junior. So. Yeah, he would be technically coming with Kurt, too, if that was the case. Um, But the dilemma here is that Kurt and Blaine might have their stuff together, but Rachel and Finn don't because Finn is not a New York City guy. Uh, She says he's too much of a country boy to come along with them to New York. There's just no way that's going to work out. And she's she's scared because she feels like she's going to have to make a choice between her love for Finn and her love for New York City. And she just doesn't know how she's going to make it. She says, "I, I don't know what to do. And Kurt says, follow me. And they head out to a new location. They're going to show up at the Gershwin Theater, which is where Wicked is performed. And they go to break in to this theater. I'm surprised that they got in so easily. I feel like that should not be uh, it should not be that easy to get in. But they they go, they go on and break on in and they uh, the, the, the set is up. Like a lot of the pieces are up, I guess, from a prior performance. And. One of the ushers, once again, another usher comes in, an all-knowing, there's so many all-knowing ushers in this episode, <laughs> um, enters from the darkness saying, you're not supposed to be in here. <laughs> and of course, they're going to stutter over the words about, you know, trying to f- figure out an excuse. But he already knows. He's like, you guys are from Indiana. You have some big Broadway dream about being on stage, singing a song on a Broadway stage. And you got 15 minutes. <laughs> yes, the all-knowing ushers. That's a a, a YouTube compilation. Yeah, maybe the, maybe be there'll the be more title for this as well. <laughs> yes, and uh, the usher. T- yeah, like you said, the usher tells them they have 15 minutes, so they run up on the stage, and Kurt is trying to inspire Rachel. He says, "Listen, you have to make a choice. You have to visualize both options. Look out at the look out at the audience. Pretend there's a full audience here. There's no orchestra, but make one. Imagine it." 
and all of a sudden the lights come on them. So, I mean, I don't know if we're imagining this or if the lights are actually coming on them because the usher goes up to the control booth and turns on the light board. Wouldn't be surprised either way. And Rachel and Kurt go into a performance of Wicked's For Good that uh, I have to turn this over to you for your criticisms and commentary. Oh my god, I still can't believe that you're not familiar with this show. This is this show is I'm so I'm not not familiar your... with it. You are just much more familiar with it. I know, but I'm just well, I guess I should say I I I'm surprised that like you're not as a big a stan of the show as I am because this show just seems so right up your alley. It's just Broadway um, in general that I'm not like gushing over. It's like I never really got all the way in. Like I went to a lot of shows, but never really, you know. Sorry. Just just take a day. Just promise me you'll take a day and just Listen to the soundtrack all the way through. Even if you get bored, just listen to it. Find a couple songs that you like and then report back to me. I'll see. <laughs> anyway, I love For Good. I think that For Good is, um, in, my, in my humble and not all the way experienced opinion, because there's a lot of Broadway musicals that I have not seen, but I would wager to bet that For Good is probably one of the top 50 most beautifully written musical theater songs of all time. Um, I just, I just love it. I mean, I, I think that the two of them do okay. I mean, we all know how I kind of feel about Kurt Hummel's voice at some points. I think he does okay with the song. Obviously, Leah Michelle sounds great. I kind of wish that they did the entire thing because they truncated it and cut off one of the, the entire verse. Um, and the magic of this song is the lyrics. And so when you cut out an entire verse, you don't get the full emotional payoff, in my opinion, for the song. So I wish they'd just done the entire thing. But, you know, it's never television. They got a lot of time. But I think that they did a really good job. And I just love, 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 love this song. It's so beautiful. It's really good. Rachel, I'm screaming at Rachel from my uh, from my couch to get off the set. I'm like, you were allowed 15 minutes on the stage. Nobody said you could mm-hmm. climb up there. But whatever. Uh, it seems like nobody's stopping them. So Rachel hops up on the set to finish out the song. Kurt <laughs> joins her as well. And as the as they come to the conclusion of this song, a great performance from the two of them. Rachel tells Kurt that she sees it now. She doesn't have to choose between the stage and love because this stage right here, what she's doing in this very moment is her true love more than anything else. So there's no decision left to be made. She's coming to New York. That's it. End of story. And this is like really going to cement the two of their relationship. Like it's it's no longer Kurt and Mercedes. It's Kurt and Rachel now. Like Mercedes is officially out of the building in terms of this friendship. <laughs> Mercedes being uh, written out of a key storyline? No way. Or a key plot know, or a key right? duo? You don't say. I just don't get it. Why are you a bigger star than me, Rachel? I don't understand. Yeah. Let's go back to the <laughs> hotel room. Let's check in. We get a little scene here um, of the unholy trinity. This has it's been a while since we've seen these three together with a focus directly on the three of them as a group. This is uh, just makes my heart filled with joy. Uh, Santana, I mean, it's a little tense, but Santana's confronting Quinn about, you know, everybody's everybody's in the, everybody's rehearsing. Where are you? Why, why are you running so late? And uh, Quinn's getting a little salty here. She wants to tell Schuster about Rachel and Kurt running off every five minutes to go wherever they are going. And Quinn's like, uh, sorry, Santana's like, uh, you're going to ruin our chance at nationals. Like, let's not do that. And she's saying, you know what? We get it. Uh, you're pissed about Finn dumping you. 
but you need to get over it. And Quinn doesn't want to get over it. Santana's like, but the only person that you're sabotaging here is yourself. And Quinn jumps back in with uh, telling them that she doesn't care about this competition. She doesn't care about some stupid show choir competition. You know, she she seems to care about the Glee Club a whole lot, but not at this moment, especially after this breakup. She's really not in on the Glee Club. She, you know, didn't quit, as we saw in the last episode, but seems like she doesn't care. And she starts to ask Santana. She's like, why can't we just have one chance to actually feel good about ourselves? Aren't we supposed to be the popular girls? Like, why can't we have our dreams come true? She's like, you have love. Tina has love. Even Zeissy's hooks up. I just want somebody to love me. So I don't know what this has to do with like the new directions but uh seems like she's projecting a little bit here and uh she's she's you know she's just stuck she doesn't feel like she has anywhere to turn to uh the comp- show choir is nothing important to her right now all she wants is exactly what she's saying somebody to love and santana says well i know how to make you feel better <laughs> quinn thinks that she's offering her a little something something which she's not into mm-hmm. and santana says no i'm not talking about that i'm talking about a haircut you know This is the Quinn that I would much rather have seen. When you make this entire thing about how she feels like no one really, really sees her or really loves her, this is what I want to see. I don't care. I mean, if you want to make the prom queen thing a corollary of that, then sure. But this, like her actually blowing up and being like i don't give a damn about this competition i just want somebody to love me as much as i love them this is like the emotional journey that i want to see and it sucks that this was sort of like shoehorned in at the very end because i don't know i really 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 felt for quinn in this moment because i mean i i know exactly how it feels to watch two people one of which Well, actually, two of which I might be revealing a little bit too much, but I know exactly what Mm -hmm. it feels like to watch to be on the outside of like a triangle. I know Mm -hmm. exactly what that feels like. And I feel like this really speaks so much more to her character than anything else. And I'm just I don't know. I I really wish that we would have seen more of that. Also, interesting note about this scene. The outfit that Santana is wearing is the same outfit that she wears in the season four promo material. Why? I don't know. I just remember, mm. I remember being really, really hyped for season four. And so I like looked at all the promo stuff. So I, I have like a very vivid memory of the preseason of season four. And mm-hmm. I know for a fact that that exact outfit that she's wearing in season two is what they have her wearing in season four promo. It's really weird. I had not noticed that, but I will uh, go back and take a look. I agree with you about the Quinn thing. It's just, you know, it's this is the Quinn that you wish you got the perspective of. You wish that we had gotten more time to, you know, figure out exactly what it is that she wants. Like when we find out about the reasons behind her motivations for the prom queen thing, when she says it's because she was scared, it's like all of that, all of that buildup just for us to find out in one quick moment. It's like, you wish that you knew along the way that she had this fear. It's like, it makes sense when they tell you, uh, she's, you know, when we find out her story along the way about how she used to be Lucy Kabusi and she wasn't anything. And then she made herself into something. Um, and it's like, I mean, first of all, we don't even tie in the season one stuff. We don't even let her talk about like, you know, I was something and then I became nothing last year because nobody cared about me when I was pregnant besides 12 people uh, or 11 people. And now I'm back to being popular. It's kind of like we skip over that whole gap in time. So it's just like, 
again, for the final time in season two, I will just mention that they they did not treat her storyline, her arc with much care. And it's not just me saying this. This is like a very well-documented situation uh, between Diana Agron and the producers and the writers that obviously the relationship between them was not the greatest over her last few years on the show. Obviously, she's not going to be around for the entire run. You know, she makes some pop-ins here and there, but it's nowhere near as much as some of the other people that are on the show. So, you know, it, they, they really could have done so much better with her. Yeah, um, it's... Uh, I don't really know if a haircut is something that would make me feel better, but, I mean, I like to see that Santana and Brittany are, like, trying their best to... Uh... <laughs> to cheer her up here and it's interesting that Quinn is uh, going to think that she means something else when she says I know something to make you feel better and she says she's not really yeah. into that because next year in a couple seasons she might actually yeah. be but uh she might uh yeah and uh I mean also I, I feel like we're kind of wrapping up the Quinn stuff here because we're going to go to actual national soon what was her big plan that she was going to do when she got to New York I think she was just going to like just be be chaotic I think that you know exposing but what was Rachel, she doing I don't know. I guess just step one was to just get Rachel and Finn in trouble. She wanted to just, like, get somebody in trouble. She wanted to fuck it up somehow. I guess. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like she's doing a whole lot worth, you know, mentioning that as a cliffhanger in the end of the last episode. I would have been waiting this entire episode with bated breath to see how is Quinn going to ruin this for them. And then by the end of the episode, she cuts her hair. Maybe she was trying to get them all in trouble earlier by getting them all to leave the hotel because it was her idea. She was like, let's get out there. Let's leave the let's leave the room. Maybe she was trying to distract everybody. It definitely wasn't made clear very well, but I just tend to think that the, her sole intention was to fuck everything up. And yeah, maybe there was a deleted scene here, here or there that we just didn't see. Yeah. Well, that would just be furthering the them ruining, ruining Quinn. So uh, thank you for sending me those pictures. Now I have uh, proof of this Santana outfit. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, it's uh yep it definitely is the same one i don't know i guess I you like wait it. a second <laughs> <laughs> uh we go to the front front of the uh, the front lobby of this hotel will is actually getting the bill for uh the pillows in all the rooms uh of that pillow fight that was had we actually see that he did in fact get in a little bit of trouble for it uh dusted goulds Gouldsby, Goldsby, Goldsby uh comes by Goldsby. i don't know his last name yeah, he comes by, the head coach of Vocal Adrenaline, of course, to wish Will luck at his Broadway debut. And Will is taken aback because how did this guy know about that? They go over to the bar to get some drinks and sit down and talk about it all. And Dustin tells him that the news is all over the Broadway blog sphere. And he says, I have some advice for you. Probably don't tell your kids. It'll shake them up uh, and their confidence before nationals. They just won't perform as well. And they uh, they have a little conversation here about how Dustin says that he hates his kids. He hates all the Vocal Adrenaline kids and seeing them successfully when that's the kind of success that he would have wanted it makes him miserable and he expects that will feels the same way but will says no i love the kids i love my kids so much he's like dustin's like truly cannot believe it he's like no you don't he's like you're not yours aren't even attractive at least mine are attractive he's like at least we have that going for us (laughs) like ew uh and will says no wrong with you judging the attractiveness of these teenagers you weirdo that's vocal adrenaline's lifestyle. They are a bunch of weirdos that make themselves sick in many ways and somehow are successful at it. But Will says, no, that it's been a great joy of his life to watch these kids, these fine kids grow into great men and women. And he is, he loves the kids a lot. And I mean, Hey, 
not the first time we've heard this from him. Not surprised to hear this from him. Uh, it's just kind of like he's been getting so much of a push to go and to go and do this and do this. But I guess this conversation with Dustin is a little bit of a reminder that not everybody has this relationship with their kids, their students like he does. And that, you know, kicks him in the pants a little bit to, to think about this. Uh, he ends up going back to the hotel room where all the kids are waiting for him. And they're all pretty sad looking, uh, even though he has pizzas in his hand. They just don't seem interested. A lot of pizza. He was carrying like <laughs> six pizzas. A lot of pizza. And Mercedes asks him, well, aren't you going to be on Broadway? Like, that's why we're all sat here. Really shitty for Dustin Goolsby to be the one that ended up telling them this. I mean, obviously, he wants to shake their confidence. But uh, especially after you literally just said, don't tell your kids. And then you went and go and tell his kids. Like, damn, it's just a national show choir competition. Like, how, like, how, how much more, like, sabotage do you need to do to your opposing team? Okay. I just feel like. We did not get enough. We April needed to be in this finale. We needed to see him on that stage, not by himself. We needed to see him on that stage with April, with people, everybody else working on this Crossroads show. We needed to see exactly what he was giving up. Because if the only visual cue that we got was him singing alone before rehearsal, that's it. So this moment didn't really hit as hard for me, even upon watching it for the first time. Because I was like, there's no way he's going to leave. There's, I don't see, there's, there, where are the stakes? We, we, don't, we, we don't know what he's giving up. So right. I don't know. I just feel like this didn't land for me. No, it didn't. I, I don't think it landed at all. Um, it was a strange way to, this whole thing was weird. I, I definitely agree that April coming by would have been a big help. But I don't know. They just kind of did a little bit of a mishmash of trying to piece everything together in this quick 42 minutes. So I don't know if it landed very well for me. Um, you know, Kurt's like, we're happy for you. Rachel says you've inspired us. So yeah, we we're happy if you want to go. And Will quickly tells them that he's not going. He said he had his moment on that stage and it was glorious, but we all have some unfinished business to do. So grab your notebooks and let's keep writing these songs that we're performing in oh, like God. 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, Puck gives him a hug and they all come in for a group hug to close out this little scene. These ridiculous, this, this plot about how they're still writing yeah. songs, whatever. Let's he, get to nationals. <laughs> yeah, like how nationals. long are they there? Like how long are they, were they there an entire week before the competition? Cause that seems really expensive. Like it seems expensive. And like when, what part of the school year is this? It's like the end of the year. Is this after classes were let out? Like, are we done? No, we can't be done because then we go back to the school and it's spring, you know, break, at the maybe? end of this episode, it can't be spring break. It's the end of the school year. Yeah, this is strange. It's very strange. Unless it's not the end of the school year. It seems like the end of the school year. It's pretty pretty clearly like the end of the school year. I don't know what's going on. Maybe they just skip their finals to go to New York. Um, it's time for nationals. We have the top 50 show choirs in the nation here, and the top 10 are going to move on to the next round, which is just the following day, and Will is pumping them up, saying they have a great shot at winning. Uh, we are going to get our first performance of the first group here. It is the Singa's Wit Attitude, and they are doing Usher's Yeah!, any thoughts on this one? Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> it's it's it looks like it's like an all girl group or were there guys there and it was just uh it was all girls. By, 
Yeah, it was all girls. Uh, Sing is with Attitude. They, they're they up first. Not much happening here. <laughs> Will leaves after this performance to go find Dustin. Dustin is getting a t-shirt for all of his kids to sign because he sends the t-shirts to the teams that they beat at Nationals. And for some reason, we just get this scene here of Will being all hyped up and confident about his team. He's like, well, why don't I grab a shirt and uh, we'll send it to you after we win Nationals. So not much here besides <laughs> Will just so you know, pumping his own ego. That is so tacky. It reminds me of a time when I did some kind of tacky behavior. So like back in back in Pittsburgh, we had the Gene Kelly Awards, which were like the High School Musical Theater Awards for the region, and we would we were so we would be, be competing against other Pittsburgh public schools as well as like private schools and other public school districts in the Pittsburgh region. And uh, one of the schools that was within the city limits did the same musical that we did in the same season. So we literally wore our show's shirts to their show. And it was so fucking tacky. And I'm so mad that I did that. Cause that's just like, why would we do that? And they weren't <laughs> even that, they weren't even like good. Like, I mean, they weren't bad, but like we were obviously better and we knew that we were probably going to be better because our school is known for being, having really good musicals and their school, not so much. So the fact that we felt the need, and it wasn't all the cast, thank God, but the fact that a few of us felt the need to come up there and be all intimidating and wearing our show shirts, like, ugh, I'm so glad that I'm not a dumbass teenager anymore. I'm really glad. Yeah, a lot of stupid things are done when you're a dumbass teenager, like tweeting at Christina Perry and telling her that you, uh, you know, whatever. So, <laughs> about that. <laughs> maybe i shouldn't have said it uh rachel rachel you know we're in between performances here rachel is uh in the bathroom and she actually finds sunshine corzone she is still kicking around here in season two and uh sunshine sounds like she's been throwing up to which rachel accuses her of doing it on purpose just like vocal why did you think it was santana to, uh, at first because Santana's probably known for like throwing up and you know i don't know if this is the accusation she's putting on Sunshine, I guess maybe that Santana has done this before. Maybe. So, I was, was kind of confused by that. I was like, is she looking for Santana? Like, No. <laughs> uh, Sunshine is talking about how nervous she is. She's like, singing used to be relaxing for me, but now I hate it. So, yeah, continuing that every single vocal adrenaline story just seems to be filled with horror and uh, terror and it never seems to end well for people. Even though they do well in competitions, their performers end up being miserable all, at all times. And they're having a conversation here. Sunshine is just wondering what she ever did to Rachel to make her hate her so much. She's like, what specifically was it about me that made you hate me so much from the second that you met me? I heard that the Glee Club was a place where people were made to feel accepted. But for some reason, Rachel, you singled me out as the one person who doesn't get to come to the Glee Club and feel comfortable. And Rachel doesn't have a great answer besides her saying that she says, well, it's just because you were good. It's because you were so good and you threatened my talent. And that's why, uh, you know, that's why I was so afraid of you. So what do you make of this? A little bit, a little too little too late. You know, I just like, I, I feel like this reconciliation should have happened way before this episode because what a switch around for Rachel. You know what I mean? Like, all it took for her was to explain to you just how uncomfortable that you made her feel, even though she kind of did the same thing in the last episode, and you were so mean to her when she came back to help you guys out. It's just like, girl, like, shut up. Like, you're you're already you're already performing, or you're performing against her at this point. What's the point in, like, being mean to her again? Like, I just, Rachel is just so horrible. <laughs> she's always horrible until she's not. Yeah, just a and tad bit. 
It's just, it's just, uh, you know, this is what we were talking about, about how it seems a little bit like real life bleeding in here, whether this was intentionally written because this is like some kind of way that Leah Michelle was acting <laughs> around set when guest stars came on. I don't know if, if it is truly, go- if it truly goes that deep or not, but at the very least, like this is just a strange parallel, uh, where Rachel, it seems like, or it seems, I'm sorry, like Leah, uh, was not great around guest stars and, you know, people theorized it was because, you know, she didn't like people with bigger and better talent to match her to come by set. But here we have this storyline about Rachel Berry not wanting sunshine around because she was so threatening to her as a performer. Sunshine tells her that she's going back home. She's going to beg them to revoke her visa and deport her back home. So she doesn't want to be here anymore. And Rachel's like, no, you can't. You can't do that. You have to stay here. You can't give up. You have a gift. And she tries to tell her, get get back on that stage. If you have any issues, if you feel sick, if you feel like you're not going to make it through, look at me. I will send you all the comfort and all of the, you know, all of the strength to go on with this number. Sunshine's obviously confused about this. And she's like, girls girls like us have to stick together. So we're yeah, going to go into sure. this vocal adrenaline <laughs> performance of uh, as long as you're there from uh, Sunshine leading the way with vocal adrenaline and Rachel is smiling and supporting from the crowd like she said she was going to. Yeah, and so uh, she's able to f- muster the courage to perform this number, which seems like a really uh, tame number for vocal adrenaline. Like, yeah, there were some flips and, and dips there here and there, but in comparison to what we see them do, normally I'm like, this is kind of... Like, okay, maybe they aren't going to win. You know what I mean? That, at least that's what mm-hmm. I thought for the first time. I was like, oh, we've seen them, like, do such extravagant-ass shit. Like, I mean, coming off of Bohemian Rhapsody, like, that was nothing compared to that. It was nothing. So. And, I mean, uh, at its core, why was it nothing? Because Glee was writing original songs and, you know, decided they were going to write Sunshine, in, uh, an original song as well. So they just went for the option of let's just get as much original music as possible in here rather than giving vocal adrenaline the show stopping number that they knew they could do. Plus, you know, they're not going to spend time going on a crazy vocal adrenaline performance when they're doing all of this New York stuff. They don't have time for that, I'm sure. So I guess when you think about it, maybe it's not too surprising, but yeah, not, not a whole lot there. Just another good sunshine performance to close out her time for good on the show. So goodbye, sunshine. Thank you for stopping by. And I hope <laughs> you are not scarred from the crack house. No, she's definitely scarred from that crack house. <laughs> she is. Um, I'm just hoping that she's not. I hope she can get through it. Call me if you need anything, sunshine. Um, Finn and Rachel are backstage getting ready for their big duet coming up. They are going to lead off the New Directions performance here. And uh, Rachel is complimenting him, saying, you wrote an amazing song. I did not know you had it in you. And Finn is just confused. He says to her that he is basically standing here begging her to be together. And he thought that that was all she ever wanted but she's not interested. And she says, no, she is. She says, I'm more than interested, but I'm living my dream being here in New York and I'm not going to let anyone keep me from it. So I'm sorry. I love you, but there's nothing you can say or do that's going to change my mind right now. So when you talk about like not ruining somebody's confidence or shaking them up before a big performance, I feel like this is exactly what you are trying to avoid, you would think, because uh, they're about to go on and do their first number, an original song called Pretending. And uh, Finn is pretty shaken up. Not that he shows it in the performance, but like, come on. Yeah, there's there's just no focus here whatsoever amongst any of the Glee Club members. I mean, they've all seemingly come together to write these songs. So there's there's the... There's a plus there, but in terms of everything else, like, so distracted all around. It's just a mess. 
And this like, performance, why are we obviously, waiting until now, I just don't understand. I just don't get it. <laughs> this performance doesn't doesn't end up going as well as they would have liked. Not the number itself. The number is good. But it ends with a very big, important piece of this plot. As uh, the performance is happening, Jesse actually shows up during it. He says he couldn't stay away, and Will asks him from the show or from her. Seems like it's for her. Uh, he shows up, and he watches this performance as, at the very end of the number, the new directions are all out on stage, and it's just Finn and Rachel up at the front finishing off this song before the new directions are going to go into their next number. We have silence amongst the crowd, amongst everybody on stage. It is quiet, and Finn goes in for the kiss with Rachel, and nobody knows how to react at all. Disgusting. Disgusting. I can't (laughs) believe that on my Nationals Day, (laughs) you would drag my lips against your lips like this. You're a slut, Finn. You're a slut. You're a slut. You're a slut. Everybody like, is just so shocked, and uh, Jesse asks, "Will musical? This is not a romantic musical. Okay, this is a show choir competition. We do not need to see you guys macking on stage." Like, ew. yeah. Jesse asks Will if it was scripted. Will's like, uh, "Nope." But Will needs to like get up and like get the crowd going to start clapping because truly nobody <laughs> knows what to do. I thought he was gonna get up and leave for a second. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Nope, I'm out. Broadway, here I come." <laughs> Like I'm late for rehearsal. Uh, but I will see you guys back in Ohio next year. So I mean, we're gonna come to find out. Let's just talk about it now, though. We're gonna come to find out that this was a big uh, issue in terms of the judges' thoughts on their overall performance. This kiss was such a big deal. Um, and I, I'll just you know keep cutting ahead. Like the new directions do not end up going on to make the top ten here because of this kiss. It was yeah. that big of a deal. I am honestly inclined to believe that it has something to do with original songs, too. Like, I just feel like there's no way that they go to New York singing original songs that the judges might not be familiar with and place well. I just don't see it happening. I just don't. Well, Vocal Adrenaline did and Sunshine with Sunshine's original song and they placed. Yeah, we only saw one of their songs, though. And I'm assuming that most show choirs probably perform three. Um, right. I mean, so, yeah, that's a that's a point. I'll take that point, but I don't know. Something tells me that Vocal Adrenaline did not do three original songs. I just don't. I just don't see Dustin supposed to be doing that. You can't convince me that this kiss was such a big deal that uh, that the judges were like, nope, no teenagers kissing on my stage. That's it. We're done. They lose. Uh, especially because, again, to further cut ahead, they end up in 12th place. So it's not like they did, you know, it ruined them and sent them down to number 51 out of 50. So whatever. Um, I mean, 12th place what? out of what, though? Out of 50. Uh. So, let's get into the better number here. The much better number. If you ask me, it is New Directions singing Light Up the World. Another original song, but a much, 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 much better now, better one. And, uh, of course, during this performance, we do see Quinn with her new haircut. Uh, a whole new look for Quinn Fabray. Everybody is getting some time in this song. Santana, Artie, Finn... Uh, literally everybody, Tina, like everybody gets some time to show themselves off. Brittany is getting in there. And, uh, here's my one thought before, uh, besides the fact that this was such a good number, they are on a national nationals stage in New York city. And you guys have Mercedes Jones with you and you hide her in this performance and don't let her have either a solo, a duet, 
any kind of Mercedes highlighting here, you deserve to lose. It's a fucking travesty. It really is. Like, I, Will Schuster, like, he made them, you know what? He was so focused on his Broadway shit that that's why they didn't, he didn't come up with better shit. He like, why don't you just write, write your own songs? I don't have time for you guys right now. I'm going to be fulfilling my Broadway dreams. And that's what you guys lost because everybody's distracted. Rachel's distracted. Will's distracted. Finn's distracted. Everybody else is just out here going out into New York City just doing what they need to do. It's just, it's a mess. And you guys deserve to lose. So I'm not even mad about it at all. I'm not. Yeah, but I mean, thought, give me your thoughts on uh, Light Up the World. I, do you love it as much as I do? I love it. I like it a lot better than the rest of the songs. I think it might probably be the best original song that we've heard so far. I agree. Uh, Loser Like Me, I, I was obviously praising it a little bit more than you were, to say the least. And uh, Light Up the World takes the cake for me. Uh, but then again, I don't know if you're counting Trouty Mouth. Oh, Trouty Mouth is just another level. That's just that. <laughs> that's just uncomfortable. <gasps> Light up the world is so good. Like if I, I, if you didn't, if I didn't know that that was an original song from Glee, I would never have known. I would have expected it came from, I don't know, somebody else. It was just, it was good. It was really, really good. Um, but not good enough because they didn't win. So they suck. Uh, Rachel tells Finn that she thought that they were so good. Finn's talking about how their kiss was the kiss of the century. Jesse St. James shows up and tells them, nope, that kiss actually ruined the performance and probably is the reason that you're going to lose. He says it was amazing. Uh, sorry. He says, Rachel, you look amazing, but you guys really shouldn't have done that. Finn gets in Jesse's face, tells him to back off. He's trying to be all tough guy. Um, and as they are having this exchange, this argument, the top 10 list goes up and they're all going to go look at it together. As we see the list, we see all 10 names. And by the time you get to the bottom of the list, you realize that the New Directions have not made it onto the list. They have not made the top 10. Uh, strange setup with this scene here because Will is the one that is, you know, reading the list to find out if they made it while the New Directions stand what, like two feet behind him? And they're like, come on, Mr. Shoe. Did we make it or did we not make it? Are we on the top 10? Come on, tell us. Tell us already. I'm like, you can't see the fucking list. It's right there. <laughs> it's right he's, in front of you. He's standing in front of it. They can't see it. I honestly wouldn't want to look at it either. I would rather somebody else tell me. Yeah, well, they did not win. So Sucks to suck. I mean, look, this entire season has been the Glee Club sort of like fighting for their survival and fighting for the legitimacy as a club at McKinley High School. In that respect, you have won. You beat out the Cheerios. You got Sue's funding, even though she shipped it off to the, to the Cayman Islands. And you lasted for your entire competition cycle. You did sectionals, you won. You did regionals, you won. You got to nationals. You didn't get the top 10, but you got top 12 out of 50. As far as I'm concerned, that is quite a win within itself, considering this is the sophomore year of the Glee Club. So, great on you. Next time, don't go out and meet Broadway veterans. Don't go out to Breakfast at Tiffany's when you have three songs to write. And don't go off onto a Broadway stage and sing in original songs and for good maybe you might actually win something maybe if uh will had actually been coaching them because if you guys hadn't if you guys didn't have your original songs written already that means that you didn't have any choreography either because what are you choreographing to completely underprepared all the way around and maybe (laughs) if they had let mercedes be involved more than she was but exactly deserved to lose um they they've lost they've lost to the waffle toots they have lost to teenage scream they have lost to vocal extreme sound explosion and a bunch of other 
strangely named uh, groups of uh, choir groups. Uh, they did not place, and it's time to head back to Ohio. And Kurt is with Blaine at the Lima Bean, telling him all about how New York went and how disappointed everybody was. Blaine actually agrees that the kiss was uh, unprofessional and uh, agrees with uh, the fact that that should probably not have happened. Kurt tells him a story about how when they got back to the hotel after everything went down at Nationals, Santana Lopez lost it on Rachel. <laughs> I wish I knew Spanish so that I could uh, say exactly what she said, but I, I don't. I don't know it. <laughs> yeah, just essentially like I'm from Lima Heights adjacent. You don't mess with me. I will go all Lima Heights, Lima Heights adjacent on your ass. Do you know what happens in Lima Heights adjacent? Bad things. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Santana has lost it completely. Completely lost it. The plane ride home was awkward and silent, and nobody talked to each other. And Blaine's like, but Kurt, you don't seem that sad, like, at all. And Kurt says, well, it was still amazing. I still got to do all these cool things. I got to go on a plane for the first time. I got to go to New York. I went, you know, I was inside that theater singing a song with Rachel on the Wicked set. Like, still had a really fun time. And as Kurt is, you know, exuding all of this cheer and joy about his experience, it's going to keep going for, things are going to keep turning up Hummel. Uh, Blaine tells him, I love you. And Kurt says it back. Aww. It's their first I love you of their uh, relationship. So good for them. Clearly, Blaine Aww. will be coming back next season. <laughs> you might <laughs> you might think that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Blaine, I'm sorry, Kurt says, you know, when you stop and think about it, Kurt Hummel has had a pretty good year. So, hey, I mean, I don't disagree. He had a, a bit of a hiccup at the beginning with uh, the Karofsky situation that led him to Dalton, but that led him right into the arms of his first boyfriend and seems like his first love. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into all of that on the, uh, to when we talk about the season two wrap up with, uh, all the different character arcs, but I feel like we're going to have some good things to say about Kurt. Yes. I, I agree. I agree. Yes. Good for Kurt. Kurt really did have a good year. This is a good season for Kurt. Uh, Sam and Mercedes stop by as well at the Lima Bean, and they're just talking about how they're going to spend their summer and, you know, just little uh, conversation here, small talk. And as they walk away, they ask each other, so do you think that they know? They're like, no, I don't think anyone knows. And we see Sam Sadie's connect for the very first time. I guess prom went well. And uh, Sam Sadie's holding hands here at the Lima Bean. Yeah, this was sort of unexpected. I... I think for the like when I watched it for the first time, I was like, "Where the fuck did this come from?" And I, because I completely forgotten about, because I guess when you know when when you see that it's going to be Rachel and Sam and Mercedes going to prom, even though Jesse shows up, I still registered it as like the three of them went to prom. So I just I, I just I don't know, I just forgot entirely of that storyline. So I was like, "Why are they together? Where did that come from?" And I was like, "Oh, prom. I forgot." Yeah, so we're we're done with uh, Kurt and Blaine here. We're done with Sam and Mercedes here. Let's uh, go check in on Santana and Brittany and say goodbye to them for season two. They are uh, Santana's still pissed off, and she's like, "I'm gonna be mad at Rachel for the rest of my life." Uh, a little dramatic there, but that's Santana. Brittany says this year wasn't about winning. It doesn't matter that they lost. She says this year was about acceptance. Um, Brittany goes into a little speech here about how she knows that the Glee kids all fight and they steal each other's boyfriends and girlfriends and threaten to quit the Glee club every week. But at the end of the day, that happens in families and, and we are a family. She says a family is a place where everybody loves you and accepts you no matter what for who you are. And I know that I'm going to be a bridesmaid at Mike and Tina's wedding and I'm going to be anxiously awaiting just like everybody else. 
to see if their babies are Asian too. And when they find an operation to make to make Artie's legs work again, I'm going to be there for his first steps. I love them all. I love everybody in Glee Club. And I get to spend another year with everybody I love. So I'm good. Santana says, what about you and I? And Brittany says, well, I love you, Santana. I love you more than I've ever loved anybody else in this world. All I know about you and I is that because of that love, I I think anything is possible. And Santana says that you are my best friend. And she also throws in a line here at the end. She asks her, when did you get so smart? Yeah, as she's uh, flailing around that voodoo doll of Rachel Berry. (laughs) (laughs) So, hey, uh, she hates to be called stupid. Artie called her stupid. And Brittany, I'm sorry, Santana just did the exact opposite and just said that she is so smart. I mean, she knows how to win her over. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I mean, she Santana clearly knows that that's an insecurity of hers. So saying that to her is, of course, is going to make Brittany feel really good. And like I said, Brittany might not be, she may be a little ditzy, but she's has such strong emotional intelligence. Like she knows, she knows. Brittany be knowing, y'all. She be knowing. She knows. Uh, Saying what's up to my cup. My cup, my mm-hmm. cup. Say what's up to my cup. Say my cup, uh, my let's, cup. Let's, <laughs> let's also say goodbye to Finn and Rachel. Finn is hiding in the library. He's been avoiding everybody because everybody hates him. He screwed up. He's humili- humiliated. He's supposed to be this big leader, but he blew it and he cost them all the championship. And Rachel says, listen, being an artist is about expressing your true feelings in the moment, no matter what the consequences are. What were you feeling in that moment? Finn says that I loved you and that I would have done anything to kiss you just one more time. And she's like, okay, so you did. So you you gave it all up for one kiss. She's like, was it worth it? He says, yes. What about you? Was it worth it for you? And she says, yes. She says, because I know in my heart that we're going to have another shot at nationals. But she also breaks some news to him. She says, you know what, Finn, I have to tell you something. I'm leaving. Not now, but after graduation, I'm going to New York and I'm never coming back. And you would think that Finn would be like, I mean, first of all, this isn't probably too surprising, but you would think that he would like be a little more concerned about this, but he's just like, nah, okay, that's fine. Graduation's a year away. Let's hang out until then. So, uh, that, yeah, Finchel is, is on good terms here. Not, not on in a relationship, but they're on good terms to close the season out. Yeah. I mean, she is leaving and I mean, they, I mean, you're, when you're younger, you don't realize how quickly time goes by so of course in my mind I'd be like oh we said we have the entire summer we have the entire school year and we probably have most of the summer after that too so pretty much an entire year before we have to worry about you know what's really going to be in our futures so we but we've seen Rachel and Finn spend a summer together and it goes well and then they get back to school and they see Quinn again and things just go south yeah I know but hopefully this time since Quinn was the (laughs) since uh Finn was the one to like really, really put an end to it. Hopefully we'll, you know, move the fuck on. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully we'll see. Uh, And just to close out this episode, we have the final Glee Club meeting of the year. Not that anything significant happens here, but Will is, uh, we, we do see the banner that has actually been hung up in the school, congratulating the new directions on their 12th place finish at nationals. And he goes to the rest of the kids in the club and presents them their teeny tiny little 12th place trophy that is worth absolutely nothing. Uh, but they celebrate. And that is the end of Glee oh, season snap. number two. I'm so sad. I'm so, so sad. I love season two so much. We get so much development for a lot of these characters. But, you know, season three is also very good, too. So I'm just glad that we 
have made it through now two seasons of this show and we're going to be covering a few more things and I'm just uh, I'm really really happy we yeah. did it so let's let's get into our uh, favorite songs and all that stuff from this episode we have a whole lot more about season two we're gonna do again I've already said this a couple times but we're gonna do our wrap up for season two talking about all the different storylines and the songs and everything like that so that'll be in your feed next but let's wrap up this finale episode here episode number 22 New York let's talk about the songs all right theme from New York New York sang by the New Directions acapella style my cup Sang by Artie and Britney. I Love New York, matched with New York, New York. Sang by The New Directions. Still Got Tonight by Will Schuster. Bella Note by The New Directions Boys. For Good by Kurt and Rachel. Yeah by the, what is it, Singers? Singers with Attitude. As Long As You're There by uh, Vocal Adrenaline and Sunshine Corazon. Pretending by Rachel and Finn in the New Directions and Light Up the World by the New Directions. <laughs> you might think that it would be for good, but I do not enjoy it. This is not replacement level for the original version, so it cannot be my favorite. My favorite is going to have to go to Bella Note. Wow. Yep. Okay. I love it. I love Artie's voice. We, we, I mean, we always praise Artie here. Um, and I just love the harmonies, and I'm a big lady and a Tramp fan, so it just, I mean, it just worked for me, and I loved how cheesy and corny it was inserted into the uh, the kissing scene with, or the non-kissing scene with Rachel and Finn. I just love the entire thing. All right. Um, didn't expect that. I mean, I do expect that we have different tastes, and we have been going in different directions a lot lately, so I guess I did expect that. Anyway... My favorite song for this episode is going to be Light Up the World. No other choice here for me besides my cup. Some good music in this episode, but at the end of the day, uh, Light Up the World is just such a fun number and everybody gets in on it. I, I literally got chills watching it. I just love it that much. So uh, Light Up the World is uh, my favorite number. And yeah, that's that. Slushy ratings? 1.5 slushies. This does not match the level of grandeur that the season one finale had. It just doesn't. There's no jaw-dropping performance at all. All of the songs are fine. They're fine. You know what I mean? There's nothing that makes you harken back to Bohemian Rhapsody. There's just nothing here. The stakes are very low. The fact that they haven't written any of their music and they supposedly write it the day before the competition, and while even we suspend our disbelief a lot with Glee, that was just... What girl? Really? However, I do like the fact that it is an ensemble episode. It's a true ensemble episode. I liked the fact that we are getting the setup for the next season in Rachel and Kurt in their Broadway dreams. I thought that that was really cool. But that's pretty much it. Like, there really isn't anything in this episode that I really... You know what? I might give it two slushies, by the actually, because I just... I just I feel like it's a fine episode. I, I I think that it's it's cool and everything, but it's just not. It I don't really feel too much in this episode at all. I don't get the feels at all in this episode. So two slushies. Yeah. 
All right, stop reading my mind. Come on. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm also going to give it two slushies. That's where I. Uh, that's where I'm going to plant my flag as well. Um, which is disappointing. I gave the last one two and a half slushies, and I gave this one two slushies. Like for such a good season, like this season, slushy ratings have been so much lower. Uh, you know, so much better. I guess for the show than our ratings from the first season, or at least a significant amount. Uh, and then here at the end, you know, just packing on the slushies, uh, throwing them directly at the writers. I don't know what happened here, but it does feel like they kind of just tried to do way too much and it just like you said it didn't pack the same punch as the season one finale it didn't feel like the stakes were there it just felt like they knew that eventually we were going to get some of these kids to new york so let's just weave that in now and make sure you guys know all all about rachel and kurt and their big dreams to go to new york we don't get nearly anything with Santana, with Brittany. Uh, You know, we get that little scene at the end. We don't get a whole lot of follow-up with Quinn and the big cliffhanger that she had. We don't get so much that I thought we should be getting. I might even bump this up to a 2.5 in the same way that you just bumped yours up a little bit. Uh, Because it's like, and the music... It's okay. My cup is fun. And just everything else in between for me, between my cup and light up the world is all okay. It's fine. Nothing show stopping. It's like you want that big go out with a bang. And they were so stuck on these original songs that they just didn't have that punch in there that really made me feel like I'm so excited for season three. I am excited for season three because I know how it goes, but I don't know that I would have felt that way at the time. I'm sure I did, but I I don't know. It's just looking back on it, I feel like they could have done a whole lot more. Not that they knew it was Lauren's last episode, but I'm so sad that it's Lauren's last episode and that she's. Yeah, there's no proper send off for her, yeah. At all. The sunshine, yeah, the sunshine deal of having her come back for just one last performance. I was like, I mean. Okay, it's just it felt so pointless to me because they had let her go throughout the season to not really be a important character. And it's not like she tied into the plot in the way that Jonathan Groff did when he was the leader of Vocal Adrenaline, uh, Jesse St. James. So, yeah, um, I I think I'll do that. Uh, I'll I'll bump it up to to a 2.5. I just feel like it did not give me as much as I was I was hoping for. So left a little disappointed on that end but the season as a whole still very good and uh we'll talk about that when we get to the next podcast uh but let's give out some gold stars here and highlight some of uh whoever we th- we enjoyed in this episode do you do you know where you're going with yours nobody go, go first nobody stands out for me like will doesn't stand out for me rachel and finn do not stand out for me even though they did that kiss i mean they cost them the competition everybody was a fucking mess this episode lauren's ices <laughs> Just because it's her last available time. But I didn't get enough from her. <laughs> okay, well, you go first then. All right. I know mine. Uh, mine is going to be, and I, I promise this isn't specifically because of this reason, uh, a person that I've been passing over a whole lot lately. Somebody that uh, I ever, for like five episodes in this in this latest set of uh, recordings we've done that I've been saying, should I give it to Brittany or another person? Then I always end up giving it to the other person. But this episode, I feel good about not passing over Brittany because I feel like the same way that you do, that there wasn't any obvious answers. Um, and Brittany is just a light in this episode. At the very beginning, kicking things off with my cup. You know what? Nobody's writing any songs. They were all working to find a new song. And Brittany came out with her best effort. She tried. So good start with that and then at the end of this episode it's just you know there are so many people that are just all over the place but Brittany has been pretty consistent lately and culminating this entire episode this entire experience with what the sentiment that she gave about how you know 
I love everybody here and I'm excited that I get to do another year with them. Uh, you know, with all the drama that has gone on at the end of the day, I still love being in the Glee Club. And, you know, we know what the Cheerios went through in deciding this season, you know, to not be on the Cheerios anymore. They decided to be all in on Glee, Brittany, of course, being included in on that. So it's nice to see somebody just enjoying their experience, enjoying themselves and having a good time in the Glee Club. So um, she also had some good parts of Light Up the World. So Brittany is going to be my star, final star of this episode of the season. See, that's like the fact that she really doesn't have that much of a, I don't know, that just goes to show like that this episode is kind of like leaving me wanting. You know, I think I'll just go ahead and give the you know fuck it i'll just give it to britney for all the reasons that you just said i can't come up with anything (laughs) else i honestly can't and i love britney so there we go that's fine maybe i'll just do santana for the fact that she gave us that beautiful scene of her yelling at rachel there we go santana (laughs) final answer yes final answer this hey you have to just throw something at the wall and see what sticks for this episode and that's what i'm doing okay the writers did us dirty this episode and so i really don't know what else to do Brittany and Santana getting a gold star to uh, finish off the season. I don't hate it. I don't. All right. Brittany and Santana closing out the season with some gold stars as uh, Britanna has began. And uh, who knows where it will go from here. All right. Anything else here from this episode that has left us disappointed a little bit, uh, a lot of bit, a little bit, a lot of bit. No, I'm just, I'm uh, really, really happy that we made it through. I love season two cannot wait to get started on season three so everybody thank you for listening very much leah michelle clean up your act don't know what you're doing out here I know, right? uh, really got to get your shit together if you ever want to work again after you have that baby of yours um as if i have any control over that but that's all we've got for season two episodes of course check out the recap that is next in your feed and we'll be back sooner or later with season three and make sure you follow us on twitter where are they following us on twitter you can follow us acquiring pod um you can also follow us individually i'm adam on adwin he's at matt logori make sure that you're leaving star ratings and reviews because they really help with visibility and if there's anything that uh we really need right now is visibility especially since the glee cast is uh fucking up right now so (laughs) if you would like to add us into the mix Make sure that you are hitting that subscribe button and liking and reviewing. Here we go. Some of the Glee kids are doing some good things. I want to, you know, shout out to Kevin McHale, shout out to Jenna Ushkowitz and uh, Amber Riley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some yeah, of them yeah, are yeah. out there of doing course. some good stuff. When I say fucking up, I mean just like causing a ruckus in general. I don't mean like necessarily negatively, but you know, right. <laughs> and I know what you meant. I just wanted to give a shout out to those people that are uh, making a positive impact on my timeline in some uh, strange and dark times. So. Shout out to the the good Glee cast members out there that are helping out with the good causes out there. Uh, that's it. That's it for this episode. So no nationals. No. Where, where are we going next from here? Where are we? Where are we going to see these guys? See you in season three.